Father, thank you that you're among us just now. I thank you that you know each and every person in this room and you have a plan for their lives. I ask you, Lord, as we turn to the Bible that you'd speak to us. Encourage our hearts. Fill our hearts with truth. Bless us, strengthen us, and impact us, I ask. Help me speak, Lord God. Help us to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, before I turn to the Bible, uh, let me tell you a story. There was a guy who went to a restaurant one day, and he had a huge big ostrich behind him. And when he arrived at the, the restaurant, the waitress met him there, and she asked, what can I get for you, sir? And he said, I would like a burger, chips, and a Coke. And he turned to the ostrich and said, what would you like? And the ostrich said, I'll have the same too. So the, the, the waitress disappeared off and came back five, ten minutes later with the burger, chips, and Coke for the man and for the ostrich. He said, that would be £9.40, please. And he put his hand into his pocket and he pulled out exactly £9.40. And she said, wow, okay. So she, he paid. And anyway, he did this for several days in a row. And after a week or so, he came in with his ostrich and she said, would you like your usual, sir? And he said, no, no, today's a special. Today's a special day. We're going to have salad and uh, steak and salad, please. Uh, and a Coke. And he said, and, and he turned to the ostrich and said, what would you like? And the ostrich said, I'll have the same, thank you. So the lady went off, brought back his order and, uh, and the ostrich's order. And he said, that will be £26.60. pence." And the man put his hand into his pocket and he pulled out exactly £26.60. pence." And she said, all right. And he paid. Anyway, the lady said, listen, curiosity has got the better of me here. You're going to have to tell me. How is it that whatever you order, you put your hand into your pocket and out comes the exact money without you even counting? It was just there. And he said, okay, let me tell you. He said, a few months ago, I was in my attic and I came across a lamp and I rubbed the lamp and a genie came out. Just to be clear, this folks, I've not got to the Bible yet. The Bible's coming in a couple of minutes, all right? We're going to get to the Bible. Out came this genie and the genie said, I've got two wishes you can, I will grant for you. And the man said, okay, for my first wish, I ask that every time I put my hand into my pocket, I will have the exact money I need for whatever I'm buying. And the waitress said, that's amazing. You're a genius. Many people would have asked for millions of pounds and they would have spent it all by now, but you're going to be rich all your days. And he said, I know. Whether I go for a pint of milk or whether I go to the Rolls Royce dealership, I have the exact money I need in my pocket. I said, that's great. He said, but what's with the ostrich? I said, all right, that was my wish number two. I asked for a big bird with a big bum and long legs, and I asked that she would agree to everything I said. (laughs) Okay. Recover from the joke. Sometimes we don't know what we should ask. Sometimes we just ask for all the wrong things because we've got limited perspective. And the verses we're looking at today are actually speaking to us about we need to have a different perspective when we're making our requests Because God has a plan for us, and often we miss it with what we're asking for. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27. In the same way the Spirit helps our weakness. What's our weakness? Well, here it is. We do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he intercedes For the saints, according to the will of God. Okay, four points to make to you. At first glance, these verses are a little bit complicated, but let me try and do my best to simplify them. Four points. Point number one, from moaning to groaning. Say from moaning to groaning. 
But it says, in the same way, it links to what's been written before it. So the verses earlier, and if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll know we've been working our way through the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. And in the same way, links to actually a couple of other groanings that have taken place in the chapter. Verse 22, it says, this is groaning number one, for we know that the whole creation groans. Okay? Groaning number two, verse 23, also we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So here's what we've got. We've got creation groaning, and then we've got us groaning, because we're longing for resurrection bodies. The point is this, this world ain't perfect. This world has suffering imposed upon it because of the curse of sin. Genesis chapter 3, when we rebelled against God, our sin brought a curse on the whole earth. At that point, the whole earth groans under the weight of this curse. Also, we ourselves, we groan longing for new bodies that will be free from sin and weakness, new resurrection life that God has promised to those who believe. So we're, we're groaning and creation's groaning, but now it's saying the spirit is groaning. There's three groanings. I guess the question is, the world is suffering, and we're suffering, we're longing for a new start, and the question is this, and this is the question many people ask, where is God when there's suffering? Where is God when there's suffering? And the Bible gives us an answer that is so robust and so incredible, and the answer is this, Isaiah chapter 53, where is God when when we're suffering? It says about Jesus, who is God, verse, verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering. Where's God when we suffer? Well, God became a man and God suffered. <clears throat> he a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment brought us peace was on him. So the answer to the question, where's God when we suffer is this. God loved us so much that he came into this world and suffered in our place. Where's God when we suffer? God suffered for us. That, what an answer. What a robust answer. In fact, it kind of it makes sense because love always leads to substitution. I'm a dad and today's Father's Day. And I, I just know looking at my kids, if, if they're going through something, and sometimes they do, man, I, my heart aches for them. I, I would go as far to say as, I wish I could take their place. If they were struggling or suffering in some way or tormented in an area or finding something hard in life, I just wish, man, I wish I could take that instead of you taking it. How many people know what I'm talking about, right? So that's what happens. Love leads to substitution. Same with God. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Jesus Christ suffered and died on a cross in our place. Love led to substitution. There's that, I've referred to this a number of times. There's this bit of graffiti on a wall, plaster wall, just on the outskirts of Rome. And the archaeologists discovered it. And it dates back to 200 years AD. And it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of graffiti carved into this wall of a man on a cross, but he's got the head of a donkey. And then there's a man standing in front of the cross worshipping. And the inscription underneath reads, a man worships his God. And it was the Romans mocking the Christians. Because for the Romans, their view is no God will suffer. Gods of the Roman Empire were strong gods, heroic gods, and certainly not gods who would suffer. But they were mocking the idea of the Christians that God, the creator, became a man 
and he suffered on behalf of mankind. And I get it. I get that they might mock because it sounds ludicrous. It sounds so far-fetched and so ludicrous that God would become a man and would suffer on behalf of mankind. It's either the most ludicrous thing you've ever heard or it's the greatest news you've ever heard that God would become a man and would suffer on your behalf. What incredible news. What a radical love. What an incredible, inconceivable idea that God would do that for you and for me. So God, where is God when we suffer? Not only does God care for us when we suffer, but God himself entered into our humanity and he suffered on our behalf. Os Guinness, a famous theologian, he said this, Christianity is the only faith where God bears the scars of evil. Jesus Christ took upon himself the suffering that we deserve. He died in your place. He took your punishment. Your sin was placed on Jesus. He took the punishment you deserved. So you can have heaven, not hell. He was willing to take hell for you because he was unwilling to go to heaven without you. That's what happened. A substitution took place on the cross 2,000 years ago. Say, I am loved. Tell your neighbor, you are loved. God cares for you that much, folks. That's what God did for you. So groan number three, the first groan is creation's groaning under the weight of the suffering of sin. Groan number two is we are groaning under the weight of longing to be free from this body that's so limited because of sin. But groan number three is the Holy Spirit. It says the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So here we see the Holy Spirit is now experiencing a groaning, a suffering along with us. God is not aloof from us when you're suffering. In fact, God who is not just with us, but in us by his spirit, is so with us, he's groaning with us as we go through the hardest times of our life. You see, when you go through the weakness times, when you go through those dark days or those dark nights, you think God's got distant. In fact, many people, that's when you feel he's not there. Actually, the opposite is the case. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Read that with me. One, two, three. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Read the last bit again. He's a very present help in trouble. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's a very present help in trouble. He's a very present help in trouble. Where's God when you're in trouble? Answer, he's very present. That's when you least feel he's there. You think, God, where are you? I'm going through some hard times. Actually, that's when God is most there. When you feel like he's least there. God's a very present help in trouble. So God is, where is God when we're suffering? Well, the answer is twofold. First of all, he suffered for us. Secondly, he's with us, suffering with us, in our suffering by his spirit, groaning and interceding on our behalf and through us interceding to the Father on our behalf. It's an incredible thing. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called the helper. In Greek, it's the word parakletos. It means para, which is like parallel, alongside. And kletos means helper. So the, it literally means, the helper means the one who is called alongside us to help. The Holy Spirit is called alongside. So when, you, when you're going through the hardest times, that's when God comes really close. Really close. Back in the 15th century, in a small village near Nuremberg, there was a large family. Actually, it had 18 kids. 18 kids. And the dad was a goldsmith. And he had to work every hour to try and put food on the table for his family. And the family grew up 
you know, just living from hand to mouth. But the two sons, two of their sons, really had an ambition. They longed to one day become artists because they had real talent and ability. But they also knew that their father did not have enough money to pay for them to go to the academy in Nuremberg to study art. I mean, he barely had enough money to put food on the table. So they discussed this ambition they had in their dream, and they made this decision. As they got older, they made a decision that they would agree that one of them would work down the mines for four years and pay for the other brother to be able to go to the academy and study art. And then after they do their four years studying, then they would take swap places and the other one would go down the mines or sell their artwork to pay for the other brother to go to the academy. So they flipped a coin to decide which one would get to go to the academy. And it was decided that the younger, Albrecht Dürer, would get to go to the academy in Nuremberg while his older brother, Albert, uh, would get to go down the mines and pay for his brother to get through the academy. So the coin was flipped, they made the decision, and Albert went down the mines, and Albert Drurer went and studied at the academy. Immediately, he became a sensation. His etchings, his oil paintings, and his sculptures were a real hit, and, his, and, uh, and he, he, he became a hugely successful artist, even as a student. As he came towards the end of his studies, he started being able to sell his artwork and he, when he graduated, he returned home and they had a celebratory meal for Albrecht Dürer as he studied, finished his studies. At the meal, at the end of the meal, he held up his glass and toasted his brother Albert and said, Albert, thank you for working and making this possible. I owe my success to you who have worked so hard on my behalf. And now it is your turn for you to pursue your dream and you, go, you to go to the academy and I will support you. Albert at the far end of the table was weeping and he stood up and he said, no brother, I cannot go to Nuremberg. It is too late for me. Look what four years in the mines has done to my hands and they were gnarled and they were twisted. He said, every bone in my hand has been smashed at least once. I cannot even hold up a glass to return your toast, let alone hold a paintbrush with which to paint. No brother, for me, it is too late. Anyway, centuries later, Albert Dürer's artwork appears in various galleries and museums around Europe. But one painting, which is probably the most famous, you might recognize it, is his painting of the praying hands. And this is a painting he did in tribute to his brother Albert. And it was, it was, he actually painted his brother Albert's hands, these, these gnarled, damaged hands, palms closed, fingers facing heavenwards, called the praying hands. Folks, the Holy Spirit almost suffers with us as we're going through our challenges. Suffers so that we can go on and become all that God wants us to be. Prays and intercedes with us and for us and through us as we're going through the hardest times to bring us into the purposes of God. Where is God when we're suffering? God did suffer for us on the cross and God by his spirit lives in us and he's with us in our suffering and intercedes through us in our suffering and our challenges to get us from where we are into the destiny he's got for us. Number two, from weakness to strength. The Holy Spirit prays for you and the Holy Spirit prays through you. And it's often at times when you feel at your weakest when those prayers ascend to the heaven. Listen to, listen to the Psalms, three Psalms describing when you're at your weakest. Psalm 38 verse 9. 
Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. You ever, has your prayer ever just been that weak? It's literally just a sigh. God help. You ever had that? I've had that. You know that your sighing is not hidden from God? He hears that prayer. Psalm 34 verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You ever been crushed in spirit? Feel like your back's against the wall? Feel like you ain't got anything else to give? God saves people like that. It says in Psalm 10 verse 17. You Lord hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. God hears. He doesn't just hear your words. He hears your desire. Isn't that amazing? God hears the very desire in your heart. As if it was our prayer. God hears the desire of the afflicted. And he, to encourage them. And to, he, he listens to their cry. You see your prayers sometimes are offered in weakness. But they are heard in strength. They're offered in weakness. In frailty. But they are heard in power from heaven. You see the reason sometimes your most powerful prayers are when you are your weakest You know you've paid some of your most powerful prayers when you're at your weakest. The reason that is the case is because in those moments, you are less dependent on yourself and you only have one option. God, either you intervene or I'm going down. (laughs) And actually, that's when, right there, that's when God often dramatically intervenes in your life. When you were at your weakest, actually, your praying is at your strongest. You know, I remember in 2016, our vision is great. You know, Mike said it earlier. We're, we're currently one church in five locations. You know, we're, we're longing and dreaming. We're actually, we've moved our city center launch into next year because of budgetary reasons. We talked about that to you earlier in the year. We're going to launch in the city center. And God willing, we also want to launch in West Lothian next year as well. So that's a lot. All right. It's a big step. Now, when, if we didn't have a big vision, we wouldn't have a problem. But because we've got a big vision, it, it, it just it puts a demand on us. That's, and it's not like our vision came from ourselves. We're not just, all right, let's just do that. Okay, that, that'd be crazy. Let's do that. Rather, we feel inspired by the Holy Spirit to take bold steps in our city and region. Now, in 2016, before we launched our south location, I knew that if we're going to launch our south location, we can't launch with the current size of church we have. If we just keep launching locations and don't actually grow, it will be unsustainable. So I was praying, I was petitioning heaven, I was saying, God, you know, we need, for us to launch our south location, which you know you want us to do, we're going to have to have more people to cover all the bases and to be able to make it feasible. So I was praying, I was, and I was crying out, and to the point where I was desperate. My pr- I, I love praying, and I typically start my day praying down by the river where I live. And it's, a, it's God's gift to me, I love that walk, and I pray there every day. But in those months, they were not happy months. I was down praying, but I was often in anguish. I was praying and asking God for breakthrough because <clears throat> church was great. And it'd be fine. If we didn't have a vision, we'd be fine. Oh, great. We're a big church, happy. But actually, because we got a vision, we weren't where we needed to be for us to go where God wanted to take us. So I was longing. One Sunday afternoon, I remember I just finished preaching in Gorgie. I was preaching in the evening again. But I went out in the afternoon to pray down by the river. And my heart was breaking. I was crying out to God for a breakthrough. And I remember distinctly, I, no one else was around. I actually started crying out loud, tears in despair, asking for God for breakthrough in my church, that we would 
and only then would we be able to launch the next location. I'm saying, God, listen, this isn't even for, it's not, we're doing this for, it's not an egotistical thing. We're doing this for the sake of your glory in the city. If you don't bless us, how can we take the steps you're calling us to take? Please intervene. I cried out. Preached in the evening, and at the end of the evening service, one of our church members came up to me, Lily. She's in our lease location. And Lily said, Pete, when you were preaching tonight, I had two visions as you were preaching. One vision was I could see you praying. And I saw you down, I think it was down by a river, and it was autumn, and it, it was autumn. It was autumn, I could see you down by a river praying, but you, you were heavy. There was a heaviness about you. You were crying out in despair. Uh, you, you, we could see you were in great anxiety in the inside. You were crying out to God. And then I had a second vision, and it was autumn, and the leaves were falling. You were down by the river again. And this time I could see there was the joy and as I looked closer, I could see someone was walking alongside you. And I suddenly recognized it's Jesus. And you were lo- talking like old friends. And there was a joy and you were laughing. And, and, and I heard him tell me to tell you, I will pour out my spirit. Keep doing what you're doing. I am pleased with you. Oh, wow. I tell you what, I, I said, she, she prophesied that to me. I said, could you do me a favor? And I got my dictaphone and I said, say that again. And she put it into the... And every so often, I just dig out that prophecy and I think, God, thank you in my, mo- in my most despairing moments. You are right there. I'm telling you what, sometimes you will pray in weakness, but it's heard in strength. And God did break through. Our church did surge forward to the next level. And even, even this year, we've grown between 10 and 20% in our weekly Sunday attendance, just this year, across all of our locations. It, there's been an incredible jumping forwards. Isn't God good? From weakness to strength. Next point, from nut to gut. <laughs> okay, I know it's cheesy, but you'll, you will remember these, right? From nut to gut. Say, say from nut to gut. Okay, from nut to gut. Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. What's our weakness? We do not know. We don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What is our weakness? It's our limited perspective. We don't know how to pray in the line with the will of God. We're not omniscient. We don't know the future. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the future. We don't. So our weakness is we don't know how we should pray. You see, powerful praying is when you do pray in line with the will of God. It says in 1 John chapter 5 verse 14, This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we've asked from him. You want to have confidence in prayer? Then pray your prayers in line with the will of God. Tune yourself into the tuning fork of heaven. You come in sync. You pray those prayers. Powerful you know they're going to be answered. Why? Because they, you see, powerful praying isn't praying what you want. Powerful praying is praying what God wants. You figure out the will of God and then you pray in line with the will of God. Powerful things happen. So how do you know the will of God? Because we don't, we, our limitation is we, we don't know. We don't know. God knows. But we don't know. How do we know the will of God so that we can pray in line with the will of God? And the answer is twofold. Number one, we know the will of God through the word of God, the Bible, God's inspired word, the book called scripture. 
That book is the will of God. It is his ultimate book. It is the it is the very word of God. In the word of God, we understand the will of God. You want to know what God thinks about things? You want to know how you can pray about things? Align your prayers with the word of God. Pray in line with the promises of God. Pray in line with the character of God revealed in scripture. Pray in line with the will of God as revealed in scripture. That's how you pray powerful prayers. Second way you know the will of God is through the word of God, but secondly, through the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit also reveals to you how to pray in line with the will of God. <clears throat> you know, this is where this comes in, you know, from nut to gut. The Holy Spirit will sometimes inspire you to pray prayers that don't make logical sense. Anyone ever had that? You prayed a prayer that you just knew you were inspired to pray, but it didn't make logical sense. It didn't make sense in your nuts. But it came from your gut. And there's two ways the Holy Spirit prays those prayers with us. Sometimes we pray those prayers in our own language. You know, we just, I know I've got to pray this. And we pray it in English or in Polish. Dobry uh, Lord, and, we, and, you, and you go for it. Okay. Or the Holy Spirit enables you to pray in an unknown language called speaking in tongues. All right, I'll talk about that in a moment. Let me just, let me just talk about praying, in your, praying by the power of the Holy Spirit in your own language first. Okay. I remember in 2003... God asked me to take three steps. I was working full-time as an architect in the city center, and the church had been going for five years, and we had about 50 people in the church. We were meeting in a little primary school in the city center. God told me to do three things. First thing, he told me to leave architecture and become full-time in the ministry. Secondly, he told me to relocate our church to Leith. As I was praying, I just felt the Holy Spirit was saying, we had to move the church to Leith. Now that was a curveball. Didn't make, it didn't make sense in my nuts. It made sense in my guts. But there was no logical reason. In fact, there was many logical reasons why we shouldn't. We were a bunch of 20-year-olds. We're meeting in the city center. And we're mostly students and 20-year-olds. So why would we move to deepest, darkest Leith? A bunch of 20-year-olds. Didn't make sense. But it did in the Holy Spirit. I, I just knew he had said that. And the third thing was, and I remember it so distinctly, it was Easter time. And I remember I was, I was having a prayer time and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said to me, this summer, you're going to get your first building in Edinburgh. And I thought, oh, now I, I, I don't think I was even praying for that. It's just, I heard it. This summer, you're going to get your first building. So anyway, I had these three words, so I left architecture and I started taking time praying about Leith. I remember one afternoon, I went down and started pr- walking and praying around the streets of Leith and I came to a particular point on a particular street called Castlebank Street. And I felt the Holy Spirit put a prayer in my heart right there. And this was the prayer I prayed. And I, I just knew the Holy Spirit inspired this prayer. This is the prayer. God, I pray that you would give us our building right here in Leith. Now, I could have reached over and touched the building we bought. But I didn't know right. I wasn't even thinking about that building. You wouldn't. I mean, it, <laughs> you look at it. Right? It just looks like a tenement. You wouldn't know there's an auditorium in there. I, I, wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking, wasn't even aware of that building. But I could have reached over and touched the building. I was, I was standing two meters away from it. And I spot, stopped right in that spot, randomly, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, pray this prayer. And I prayed, God, I pray give us a, our, our own building right here in Leith. Now, straight away into my mind came the name of a girl, Nikki. Now, Nikki had been in our church, but I hadn't seen her for about a month. So I got my mobile phone out. In those days, it was like this big. Nikki, how are you doing? <laughs> haven't seen you at church for a while. Are you Okay. And she said, yeah, I'm doing fine for you. Where are you? I said, I'm in Leith. Oh, I work in Leith. Whereabouts in Leith? So I looked at the name of the street, Castle Bank Street. 
I said, I work in Jane Street, which is the next street up. She worked for Bethany at the time, who had a centre there. And she said, why don't you pop round to our common room, we can have a coffee. So I popped round to, the, to her office, had a coffee in her common room, and she said, what were you doing in Leith? And I said, well, just before I phoned you, I was actually praying that God would give us our first building in Leith for the church. And she said, you need to meet my boss, he knows about all the buildings in Leith. So she introduced me to her boss, and her boss said, you're looking for a building? I said, yes. And he opened his window, and he leant out, and he pointed at the building I'd just been standing outside of. And he said, next week, that building comes on the open market. And my heart leapt. I no longer cared how Nicky was doing. I ran <laughs> back out round, right, right round to where the building was. And I found out who the owners of the building was. We made their offer. And long story short, we got our first building in Edinburgh. Wow. I remember it. And that was in the summer, just like God has said. And then we moved in later. The end of that year, the beginning of the next year, we moved in. And we went in there with 50 people. And I remember, so excited. Few, Pete, Pete, you were there. A few, few others were there. Jid was there. Few, few people were there. And you remember, it was moving in. And that year, we grew through the 100 mark. And then the next year, through the 200 mark. And the next year, through the 300 mark. We had to go to three services to accommodate everyone. And then our next step was to buy Gorgie and went to locations. And, and that's kind of how it started. But it, how did it start? It started with a prayer that the Holy Spirit led me to pray. And I, I didn't pray that prayer from my nuts. I prayed that from my guts. And it led to a miracle, which actually many of us wouldn't be in the room today had the Holy Spirit not prayed that prayer through me. Many people wouldn't have come to faith had the Holy Spirit not inspired that prayer. Now, the Holy Spirit will inspire you to pray prayers in your own language, but also the Holy Spirit will inspire you to pray prayers in an unknown tongue. It's called speaking in tongues. Now, don't be freaked out by the idea of speaking in tongues. Oh, Pete, that's so supernatural. I know. Well, God's kind of supernatural, all right? So if you're going to be freaked out by that, be freaked out by God. He's supernatural. So it kind of makes sense. If he's supernatural, then kind of supernatural things should be the norm. Naturally supernatural. The Holy Spirit gives this gift of speaking in tongues. I remember, uh, you know, you read about in the, book of, in the book of Acts in the Bible, believers were filled with the Spirit and started speaking in tongues. For me, it happened when I was 15. I'd just become a believer. I went across to my friend's house and we were reading these verses and I, he asked for, that God would fill me with the Holy Spirit. He laid hands on me. And next thing I knew, I had this experience, not in a church building, and neither of us went to a charismatic church, all right? This was when we were just naive. We didn't know anything. We were just simple, childlike faith. And my friend prayed for me, and I started speaking this language. And ever since then, I've had this prayer language. And, I, and the thing about praying in tongues is you don't know what you're talking about, right? It's not coming from your nuts. It's coming from your guts. In fact, let me put it in Bible words, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my gut prays, but my nut, my mind, is unfruitful. So when you're praying in tongues, it's coming from your spirit. Now, what, here's the power about praying in tongues. And by the way, I believe this gift is available. I believe it's available. I believe it's available for believers. And so if you've never had that experience, come and get prayed for at the end or be prayed for in your small group or take time in your own time to seek God. Sometimes it'll happen straight away. Sometimes it takes a few times to be prayed for. I don't, hey, I don't know your journey, but... I just believe that God has all of his gifts, including this one, available for you. Now, when you're praying in tongues, you're praying about the perfect will of God. And all of a sudden, you're not praying based on your limited minds. Instead, you're praying prayers in line with his unlimited minds. And I'm praying about things I don't know about. I don't know what I'm praying for when I'm praying in tongues, but I'm praying about things I don't know about. And it, but nevertheless, in line with the will of God. And here's the thing. When you're praying prayers that you don't know you're praying, you're going to start seeing answers to prayers you didn't even know you prayed about. 
You think, wow, I didn't even, I didn't even know I prayed about that, but that, that was from God. And I am absolutely convinced that you're going to, st- as you start praying in tongues more and more, and I, and I pray in tongues a lot, a, a lot. Um, as you start praying in tongues, all of a sudden you're going to start seeing answers to prayers that you didn't even know you'd prayed. <laughs> Figure that one. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. You ever wonder, man, how is it he saw so many miracles, so many great happenings, the divine, I mean, just divine appointments, miracles, dramatic miracles. Read the book of Acts, there's one miracle after the other. How is that? Well, Paul gives us a little glimpse, and he says in 1 Corinthians 14, um, <clears throat> verse 18, I thank God, I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul apparently prayed in tongues a lot. Now, just to be clear, you don't pray in tongues out loud in a congregation unless you've got the gift of interpretation or someone else is flowing in that gift. That's between you and God. By all means, pray under your breath, but not in a public setting. Don't freak people out, okay? But in your own time, if you pray in tongues, do it a lot. Pray in tongues. Paul did, and he saw great things. One of the early Pentecostal missionaries in the last century was a man by the name of John G. Lake. And John G. Lake, in one of his missionary trips, spent five years in South Africa. And in South Africa, in that five-year period, he saw one million people decide to follow Jesus. He planted 625 churches and raised up 1,250 preachers and leaders in five years. That's pretty good going. And here's what John G. Lake said about his ministry. I want to talk with utmost frankness and say to you that tongues has been the making of my ministry. And, you know, I, I, I would probably concur. For, for me, I'm praying tongues a lot. Last Thursday, I had a day in my diary which is purely earmarked as a day of prayer. And that day, in fact, we talked later on that day, Jason. That day, I spent most of the morning praying in tongues. I, I, I just went out into the countryside and started praying through the church, praying, God, help me with these people, Lord. Help me with these, these congregations. <laughs> help me, Lord. So I just I, I laid, I laid it all before the Lord and we're praying. But also, I took a lot of time praying in tongues, asking God for the church, and just praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And I spent probably hours praying in tongues that morning. And then, my afternoon was spent with one phone call after another of breakthroughs. Incredible. First of all, I got a phone call from a guy. We've been trying to negotiate for a building for our south, for our south location, right beside Ikea. We want a building right near there. And the deal was, it was too expensive. And just now, because of our budgetary restrictions, we cannot move forward with that. But it's like a breakthrough. This guy phones and said, listen, we really want to do a deal. And I said, listen, we can't afford what you're asking. It doesn't matter. I want to meet you and talk about what is possible. So, and then we had the meeting with him. And it looks like we've done the deal of the century, folks. Looks like we've done the deal of the century. Incredible. I mean, that, but that phone call came straight after a whole morning I spent speaking in tongues. And then I had a whole cascade of phone calls and conversations. All of them were ground-taking. And I linked them directly to the morning I'd spent praying about things I didn't know about and started seeing answers to prayers I didn't even know I'd prayed. <laughs> wow. From nut to gut. And finally, from a groan to the throne. From a groan to the throne. Verse 27. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God knows your heart. He searches your heart. He knows what's going on in your soul. And actually, the Holy Spirit enables you to pray prayers and prays prayers for you. That would be the prayers you would pray if you knew what he knew. You make, that make sense? If you knew what he knew, these are the prayers you would pray. They're the prayers he inspires you to pray. Or they're the prayers he prays through you or with you in those groanings. 
I mean, okay, let me tell you this, this story. This is incredible. I was working as an architect, and I remember one afternoon in the architect's office, <clears throat> I, I think I was doing a I was project architect for an art gallery that we're, we were designing. And I remember specifying tiles for the toilets, so not, not very exciting, right? I was just choosing some tiles for the toilets, and I had a tile catalog, product catalog, and it has lots of tile samples, and you're flicking through it. It got to the point where it showed you the, the showroom of the company who sold the tiles. And the showroom of the company had showed you their lobby, and in the lobby of the, in this photograph were these really nice kind of steel and leather chairs and a nice glass table. And I just thought, wow, they're really nice. I just thought that. And then I closed it and I got on with the rest of my day. Anyway, that evening when I was walking home, I, I, I took a kind of, I worked near Murray Place and my f- flat was in Haymarket. That's where we started the church. And I took a diagonal route through all the lanes. And I was going down the back behind where Habitat used to be. There's a hairdresser, a fancy one called Charlie Muller. And as I was going around the back of Charlie Muller's, there was these steel and leather chairs. The same ones I'd seen in that catalogue. I thought, look at that, there's five of them just sitting there. No way. So I went and knocked the door of Charlie Mills and said, what's happening to those chairs? I said, oh, we're getting rid of them. Do you want them? I said, yeah. So I, I picked them all up, managed to get them all on, on my arms. And I, I carry these chrome and leather chairs and knock, knock the door and brick, turn up. And I just said, what have you brought home? I said, look at these. Look at what God blessed us with. And, and they're originals. There's lots of copies of these, but these are original. These are Matteo Grazzi, original steel and leather chairs, thick leather. Brilliant. And Incredible. So I got back in the office the next day just to check, just to check that because there are variations of a th- similar theme. These were the exact ones I'd seen. And I just thought, oh, I like them. Then that night, I got them. Now, just in case you're thinking what I'm not saying, right? I'm not saying you walk past a Ferrari and think, oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. I, this is not a get rich quick thing, right? I'm not saying that. I, I, I got something, actually, I got something far more than a Ferrari in that moment. And I, to be honest, I don't care about the chairs. Don't care about them. But here's the point. This is what blessed my socks off more than anything else. He saw my desire. He saw that. And he does. You heard it earlier in the verse. He hears your desires. Remember that, Sam? He hears your desires. Isn't that amazing? So all of a sudden, now, just to be clear, you don't always get what you pray for. You don't always get what you pray for. Um, Robert Murray McShane, a famous Scottish missionary, he said this. Hey, I mean, just, just this is not Robert Murray McShane. Let me make, make, make a point. You don't always get what you prayed for. Thank God. I mean, think who you would have been married to just now if you'd always got what you prayed for. Just say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. Okay. So you don't always get what you prayed for. Robert Murray McShane, the famous Scottish missionary, said this, God will either give you what you're asking for or something far better. Augustine, who was one of the great theologians in the early church, um, before he became a Christian, he was, he was living the crazy life. A very intelligent man, but living a thoroughly hedonistic lifestyle, sleeping with prostitutes, lots of mistresses. I mean, just a crazy life he was living. <clears throat> his mum was a Christian, and his mum was crying out to God for his, her son's salvation, crying out to God, but her son was living crazily. Eventually, because of his academic ability, he was offered a position as a lecturer in Rome, and his mum was freaking out, thinking, if, if he's bad now, think what he'll be like when he goes to Rome. It's even more hedonistic. So she was praying, God, don't let him go to Rome. And her prayer wasn't answered. He went to Rome. But actually, it was in Rome, Augustine came to faith. And this is what Augustine said about 
why God didn't answer his mum's exact prayer, but answered her ultimate prayer for his salvation. He said this. He said to God, hearing afar the real core of her longing, you disregarded the prayer of the moment in order to make me what she had always prayed I should be. God disregarded the prayer of the moment. Don't let him go to Rome. In order to answer the ultimate prayer, the prayer for what he would become. And he became one of the greatest theologians in those early centuries of the early church. Amazing. The Holy Spirit will empower you to pray the prayer that you would pray if you knew what he knew. A couple of days ago, I had a couple of meetings in town and I I took the tram into the city and I got off the tram and I started walking along to where I was heading. And I'm glad I did. I turned back to look back for some reason. And as I turned back to look back, an old gentleman who'd been standing on the tram stop had slipped and fallen over and gashed his eyebrow and blood was pouring out and his glasses were on the ground. Very kind of special old man uh, in tweeds. Very kind of well-to-do looking gentleman. But he was... He was really rattled, and he was a bit disorientated. And there was, there was literally blood everywhere. I think his cheek had been gashed as well. And his, his glass had fallen off, and one of the lenses had fallen off. So I went over and said, I'm so sorry, sir, can I help you up? And he was trying to fumble to get his glasses. I said, just leave it, let's get to your seat, and then I'll get the glasses in a minute. At that point, a lady came along, and she said, oh, I'm a nurse from the Royal Infirmary. So the two of us, we, it was pouring down rain, so I held the umbrella over him. We got tissues out, got him seated on a bench, fixed his glasses, put tissues on his thing, phoned an ambulance and, and we just we waited with the guy you know, 30, 40 minutes while waiting for the ambulance, just got chatting to him and he actually was one of the former Lord Provosts of Edinburgh and uh, just in the last three years he'd been diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's disease so he was quite disorientated and not, sometimes he fell and, uh, he, and uh, anyway in the conversation I said to him, I, said, I won't tell you his name I, said, I just said his name, I said what are the chances that you fall over and a pastor and a nurse were there for you just right then? What are the chances of that? And he said, oh, you're a pastor. I said, yeah. And he said, I pray every night. So there are the chances. There are the chances. Because I've noticed that lucky things happen to people who pray. I don't think that's in the Bible, but just as an observation. (laughs) Lucky things happen to people who pray. You pray. You be a person, even in your frailty and in your weakness, who calls on God. He hears. He goes ahead of you. He makes sure that when you fall as a pastor and a nurse, right for you, right there. (laughs) I love that. These verses we've read, earlier I said how they linked to the verses before. Remember the three groanings? But I'm also now going to end by telling you they also link to the verse that's coming. And this is a wee preview to next week's message. Romans 8.28 says this famously. And we know that God causes... In fact, let's read it together. One, two, three. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. You know what? God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Great, great verse. And it links to the verses before. Why do I know that? Because it starts with a and. And we know. Why? So you're the person who's just, you're, you don't feel you've got it all sorted. Sometimes you're praying prayers in your greatest weakness. 
Sometimes you're so aware of your limited perspective. However, you are a person who's allowing the Holy Spirit to pray the great prayers through you. You are the person who's partnering with the Holy Spirit and praying and seeking Him and turning to Him. So I'm telling you, you're that kind of person, then you're the person who God will turn all things together for the good. You either get what you're praying for or you get something better. God will see to it. He's with you in your suffering. In these limited times when we're waiting for a resurrection body, He's with you in order to take you into the purpose and destiny God's got for you. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for, the God, for you being the God who is with us in our hardest moments. We all face those tough times when we do not know how to pray as we should. But we say thank you to you, God, that you are the God who in the middle of those hard times, in the middle of those darknesses, you enable us to, by the Holy Spirit, find a way through, break through, break out of our circumstances, break through into healings, break through into miracles, break through into new situations. God, we thank you that you will either answer our prayers or give us something far better. Holy Spirit, you inspire us to pray the prayers that if we knew what you knew, we would pray those prayers. And we say thank you, God, that your plan is good and your love is strong and you are with us. God, we thank you. You're a God who not only knows what suffering is, but personally experienced suffering on our behalf. Jesus, thank you for suffering and dying in our place on the cross. Thank you for paying the price so our sins could be forgiven. Thank you for dying for us to save us. And we worship you today, Jesus. You're risen from the dead and you are the greatest. We love you, Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the true God. Thank you for being our God. Thank you, Lord. Just pray under your breath just now. Just talk to him. Thank him for his presence with you. Thank you for his Holy Spirit that's filled you as a believer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. While people are praying, maybe today you're here and you don't yet know God. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus, the one who died for you and who rose again and who's alive right now. Do you know him? Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? If you're not saved, if you're not sure that if you were to die today, you're not going to be with him forever, then you can be sure today. You can be certain. You can know that you know that you know that you're his and you're saved and you're going to heaven. If that's you today and you're saying, I want to know that, I want to be saved, then this is your moment. Pray this prayer with me. Just one line at a time under your breath. Just pray this quietly under your breath. Forget everyone else around you. Pray this prayer. Dear Lord God, Jesus, thank you for dying in my place on that cross. Thank you for rising again the third day. Thank you, you're alive right now. Today I'm placing my faith in you to be my saviour. Forgive me for all my sins. Give me a new start, I pray. I choose to become a follower of yours, Jesus, for the rest of my life. Be Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and accepting me today as your child.